This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And a very good afternoon to you and welcome. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon as usual in the slot between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon for our chat about Judaism 101.9 where we unpack, where we discuss and where we think about the basics of Judaism and to try and make it that um, everybody can um, re-look at what those basics are actually all about, um, what the meanings are of things that we've been doing over and over and over again and perhaps never asked or never thought about. Um, and um, I hope that there is something for everybody, and not only for the beginners, but uh, for everybody to be able to learn, to gain, and to um, ingest a little bit of uh, the knowledge of Torah. Nothing that I... Um, say is original on this particular show. Um, it is all um, things that, of course, are found in our liturgy, in our Torah, in our books of halacha, and so on. And just to try to give it over in a palatable fashion, <coughs> in a way whereby we can all just compare notes, think about things, and uh, discuss in the way that Judaism wants us to. We've been talking about um, over the last week and uh, wanting to continue again this week about Torah reading. Last week we discussed the uh, reasons why we read the Torah, when we read the Torah, um, the ideas of uh, taking the Torah out of the ark and um, standing up and following it and the procession and so on. And, of course, the respect and the reverence that we have to give to those moments and to the Torah when it does come out of the ark, when it is available in the uh, shul. And, um, of course, the posture the um, stance that we're supposed to take um, and the way that we're supposed to behave in the presence of the Torah, which is some of the things that we went through last week. To move on this week, let's get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of uh, what actually happens when and how the Torah is removed from the Aron Kodesh, from the Ark. So let's first of all um, just state that um, there are a couple of different customs as to exactly when the ark is actually opened, but the idea of opening of the ark is regarded as an honor. Um, we call it a peticha or psicha, um, as it's known, which means to open up. And there is the idea of the opening of the ark. Um, you know, in many shuls, these are honors that are particularly um, accorded to, to people um, during the high festivals on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, there are not enough aliyot, of course, to go around, not enough call-ups to the Torah itself to go around, but there are several times that the ark is opened and shut um, during the service on a, a Yom Tif, on a Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and therefore the idea of calling up a couple of guys for each opening and closing of the ark is uh, regarded as an honor, and an honor it certainly is to be able to um, stand um, in front of the Aron Kodesh, the ark, um, open it up, um, bring the Torahs literally into our midst, have that idea as we spoke about last time of really literally being in God's presence, reliving the protection that the Torah gives us and and gave us in the desert and reliving the idea of the giving of the Torah, the receiving of the Torah once again, the opportunity to stand and do that and open up the ark is uh, something of great significance. Now most um, arks, most um uh, Arone Kodesh have two coverings. There is an outer covering, usually a curtain, or otherwise known as a parochet, and uh, below it, either doors 
um, or a wooden panel or something that slides away. Um, and usually both of them are uh, utilized. This is particularly um, meant to mimic in some way the way that the parochet was um, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, in the in the uh, Beit Hamikdash, in the temple, the idea of there being uh, multiple layers, multiple coverings, and um, it just makes the whole idea of the Torah and the reverence that we have for it and the holiness of it just a little bit more significant. It's not just behind a curtain. It's not just under a drape. It is there are layers of holiness that one needs to go through in order to get there. And so the ark is opened and uh, the Torahs are revealed. And as I said, there are different times where that is done. But most um, in most uh, communities, uh, the ark is opened. When we say, Vayehi bin Soa Ha'aron, where we talk about the ark being carried and traveling through um, the desert uh, and leading the Jewish people forward, that that was the idea of Vayehi bin Soa That is the verse that we say when we actually do the opening of the ark. As the ark is opened and as the Torahs are uh, revealed, as we said last time, it is an awesome moment, a time of seriousness. It's a time of serious introspection and contemplation and time for serious prayer. Um, it is as though the um, channels to the Almighty have been um, revealed, opened, and um, brought to the fore as well. And we have the opportunity then to penetrate um, and to um, enjoy the rachamim, the mercy that God has at that particular moment. And particular prayers are said um, for one's family for one's children, for one's spouse, and so on. It's not a time to turn your back. By the way, we should try never to turn our back on the open Oren Kodesh, on the open Ark. Um, we should never turn our back on the Torah itself. So the posture of a person standing in shul um, when the ark is open, this we should be facing the ark, never turn around even if it is to welcome a very very important guest um, we do not turn around, we do not turn our back on an open ark, and nor do we um, turn our back on the Torah now very often you watch people um, because uh, perhaps I suppose a little bit of ignorance or just natural human behavior once you've sort of stepped forward either to kiss the Torah or to welcome it or to face it and so on People automatically to walk away will turn around to walk away. We should either walk away backwards or we should wait, wait for the Torah to pass by. Um, and if, for instance, you're standing like at the bimmer and the ark goes uh, behind you, you should not allow that either. You should turn around to face it. At all times, we should show the reverence that we have for the Torah by facing it, not ever turning our backs on the Torah and not ever turning our backs on the open Oren Kodesh, on the open ark. So, a little bit about the behaviors. On a regular um, day, on a regular weekday, such as a Monday or a Thursday, or on just a regular Shabbos or Shabbos afternoon when the ark is opened, well, usually here in most shuls, anybody is given that opportunity. Once again, of course, it is an honor. And in the um, last month before a child is born, it is regarded as a great honor to give to the um, father of the um, baby about to be born, uh, particularly in the last month. Many people um, have extended that and made it um, a lot longer than that, but um, as a sign of um, a wish and a blessing that it, there should be an easy birth in a similar fashion to the way that the Torah, I suppose, will easily be taken out of the Oren Kodesh, and it's a time of rachamim, it's a time of mercy, we give a, um, an awaiting father, an expecting father, 
the opportunity to um, open the Oren Kodesh, to open the Ark, and in similar fashion, we give him a bracha, we give him a blessing that the birth of his child that is about to be born should be easy and should be well and should be healthy um, in a similar fashion. So the uh, Torah is removed from the Ark, usually by one of those who's called up to um, open the Ark. It's handed to the Chazan. And then there are different customs. Some use and leave the ark open while the chazan pronounces um, three important verses on a Shabbos or a Yom Tif. On a weekday, it is just one. And those verses um, are said in some communities with the ark still open, in others once the ark has been closed. And there is room for both um, different ideas. I guess um, the ones who leave the ark open, although the the Chazan is turning his back on the open ark. He is holding a Torah in his hands, and it's almost as though he is making an oath of allegiance, an oath of pledge to this Torah that has been taken out, that has been gifted with the opportunity to be read from and to represent all the Torahs um, in front of uh, the community. It's not as though it could be construed that he's turning his back on the ark. Um, there are those who close it because you don't want to turn your back on the closed on the open ark, I guess. And then um, three verses are said. The first one is the statement that we are all familiar with, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad. We say, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Usually the Chazan says this, and it's repeated by the congregation. Um, the idea, again, as we said, is like an oath. He is standing with the Torah in his hand, and he's making an oath. We are hereby affirming and proclaiming once again that the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. God is everything. God is everywhere. God is um, all-powerful. And then we say, Echad Elokeinu, Gadol Adonainu, Kadosh Shemo. And in the, on the high festivals, we say Kadosh Venora Shemo. What we really mean there is um, that uh, one is our God, uh, great is our master, um, holy and awesome, if it's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is his name. And then the third verse, Gadlu, which means glorify God with me and let us exalt his name together. So it's kind of two great statements of God's um, uniqueness, oneness, and powerfulness. And then the statement of the Chazan inviting everybody to join in the praise of Hashem and the praise of God. And, of course, then to listen to uh, the Torah being read. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome back. Um, once again, lovely to be back in your company. And of course, here I'm um, talking about things Jewish on Judaism 101.9. And we've been speaking about the Torah reading. And we spoke about taking the Torah out of the ark. And of course, last week we mentioned how the Torah is actually read. And um, it is read, of course, at a place that we call the Bima, the Bima. Um, there is uh, the platform or uh, the podium from which the Torah is read. It should be that um, when the Torah is being read um, at that time, that uh, people pay full attention, that if possible, they face towards the Torah itself. But um, if they're seated, um, as is custom in most communities, it doesn't seem to really matter which uh, way they're oriented. When you're standing up and when uh, important parts of the Torah, such as the Ten Commandments and so on, are being read, people should turn to face towards the Torah to show um, allegiance to affinity with uh, the Torah itself. Of course, we should not engage in any conversation. We should not be involved in any kind of side activities at the time that the Torah is being read. It is all important. It is of paramount importance within our um, service, as well as um, showing great and paying great homage to the Torah itself. 
um, is this great opportunity that we have when it is removed from the ark and when it is being read. Once we complete the reading of the Torah and it is then um, put away or packed away um, before it actually returns to the ark, um, there is a process that we call Hagba and Galila. Hagba is that somebody is called up to lift up the Torah. And Galila, somebody is um, there literally to roll it or uh, to tie it up, to dress it, the dressing of the Torah. Uh, these, once again, are great honors that are accorded to uh, people within the community who have the opportunity of performing these two parts of uh, these all-important mitzvot. So the picking up of the Torah is done. Usually we try to open the Torah um, so that we expose, that we show the community three columns of the Torah when we lift it. It is uh, not meant to be a weightlifting competition. This is not something where somebody is supposed to show off um, whether he did uh, how many bench presses he did during the morning uh, gym training session. This is meant to be an opportunity to lift up the Torah and that people have the chance to actually say, this is the Torah. Um, that Moses placed before us and uh, various other verses that are said at that time which you will see in your Siddur um, all lauding and praising uh, the Torah we look towards it there are many people who have different uh, things that they do at this time uh, some point towards it although it's not regarded as, as something nice to actually point there are some who point therefore with a baby finger and then kiss it um, uh, which um, some people have adopted as a custom Really, the idea is simply to gaze towards it, to look towards it, and at that stage to say those verses. The Torah is then turned around, usually in two half circles, um, and then um, the Galila takes place. Different communities have different customs. Some go immediately to sit down. Others replace the Torah on the bima, on the podium, roll it together, then lift it up again and sit at the back um, of the bima or on a chair behind the bima. And at that stage, the galila takes place and the Torah is dressed. It is dressed usually with a strap um, of some sorts, um, either a binder. And it used to be in uh, olden days and uh, times gone by that people made very, very fancy and elaborate and very beautiful binders. In fact, there are many that were kind of family heirlooms. Uh, the idea of binding together, of tying up the whole Torah and having the opportunity to have a binder a strap, a belt, a gartle that was placed around the Torah um, with one's uh, family um, insignia, um, all sorts of uh, different things that were placed on these on these bindles, on these binders, and so on. Some of them magnificent, very beautiful. Of course, today very valuable um, was um, something that has all but uh, been lost to our uh, tradition. There are uh, then the covers that are placed on the Torah, um, the mantle that is placed on the Torah as it is dressed. That's the large uh, velvet uh, part that is put over the top. As we explained last week, we don't want to touch the parchment. Um, and then if there are any silver dressings that go on it, a crown or a breastplate or a pointer, anything like that that is added on. And then the Torah remains... On a Shabbat, the Torah remains seated at the back of the bima or behind the bima until um, after the uh, Haftorah is read. Um, on a Monday and Thursday, it is almost immediately after one or two of the uh, Psalms and prayers are said, it is returned to the Oran Kodesh, it is returned to the Ark. And once again on its return, 
Um, first of all, on its advent to the bimmer, um, we always walk to the right. So if you're f- coming from the ark and facing the bimmer, the chazan, the person carrying the Torah, always walks to the bimmer on its right-hand side. There ascends or goes up to the bimmer on the right-hand side and um, it goes back to the ark on the other side. So in other words, the left, if you were facing towards the bimmer from the ark, um, is the side on which the Torah is returned. But basically, you're always keeping to the right. It's um, because you're standing then behind the Torah and you're turning right um, off the bimmer and back to the ark. This, these are some of the traditions and some of the practices um, with the taking out and the putting back of the Torah. Before the Torah is returned to the ark in, um, on a Shabbat, um, we say a couple of very important Aramaic prayers. They are known as the Yakum Purkan prayers. Yakum Purkan meaning, um, may salvation come forth. Yakum Purkan. What are we talking about here in these Yakum Purkan prayers and why are they in Aramaic? Well, if we take a look back at the history of these, um, two paragraphs, um, that are said in Aramaic, and we do know that there are certain significant parts of our service that are said in Aramaic. These two prayers actually um, were first um, placed within the liturgy in the Siddur some 1,500 years ago at the time that we were exiled in Babylon. Um, during the Babylonian exile, um, <coughs> excuse me, these prayers were um, um, then instructed and they came about and you see that they are actually praises of the various strata of leadership within the community and particularly at the time that we were in exile. Um, we no longer had the uh, Davidian um, uh, kingship and rulership and Malchut uh, by David that no longer was in power. Um, other great leaders um, arose and there were various different strata and various different um, descriptions of the various different roles that were played within the Jewish community, particularly the leadership from a rabbinic, from a Talmudic and from a halachic point of view, from a uh, spiritual point of view. And this Yukum Purkan is a prayer for all of those people. As you can see in the first one, the first Yukum Purkan um, is all about the leadership and about the rabbis and about the scholars and so on. Asking the Almighty to protect them, asking the Almighty to grant them salvation. Remember, um, the whole Jewish people were in uh, the Galut, were in the diaspora, um, looking forward to a salvation, yearning for um, getting back to Israel, yearning for the days of of old. Um, and during this period of time, during the Babylonian times, however, there was a great respect and a great awe and reverence that was um, accorded to the um, spiritual leadership in those times. They've remained within the Siddur, of course, because at all times we too need to remember that our great leadership and our um, um, spiritual direction that we're given, um, hopefully by our rabbis as well as by um, our um, uh, Batay Din about our courts of Jewish law and so on, are all 
in, of paramount importance, very, very significant, um, that they are successful, that they flourish, um, when spiritually we are well off within a community that certainly bodes well for uh, the physical side of things, when the um, atmosphere within the community is positive, when the unity of the community is being protected and is being encouraged, when the leadership um, from a spiritual point of view is well directed and is doing the right thing, it certainly bodes well for everything else um, that can, should, and does follow. And therefore, this prayer is uh, really very significant. It is not just um, there uh, by some strange stroke of luck. Um, it is certainly placed there that at the opportunity just before the Torah is returned to the ark, at a time of rachamim, at a time of mercy, and Similarly, when we're taking the Torah and we're almost standing there and making an oath, that there is not only this oath of allegiance and this oath of um, of um, acclaim to God Almighty, that God is one and God is the only one, but at the same time, um, there is the recognition of the importance of our spiritual leadership, the recognition and importance of our halachic deciders, of our spiritual guides, of our uh, rabbis, of our rabbis, of our um, uh, Torah teachers, and so on. Um, they are all of paramount importance for the welfare of our people, for the welfare of, uh, of our nation. The second Yukum Purkan is much more about the community itself. Remember, you can have the greatest leaders, but if you don't have um, community, if you don't have people who are willing to participate and willing to help out, you can be the greatest leaders in the world. But if you don't have a people who are joining you as uh, partners who are coming together in order to make the community great and in order to uh, magnify Lord and praise um, the Almighty and the Torah and so on, um, we kind of um, have a um, not only a rudderless ship, but we kind of have a ship that uh, will have a hole in the bottom and will all but sink. And uh, we need to remember the importance of these two prayers. They're in Aramaic because that was the way that the people spoke at that time. These were meant to be kind of more down-to-earth prayers where everybody said, okay, you know, while we have the Torah out, let's pay homage to, let's acknowledge our leadership, let's acknowledge our teachers, let's acknowledge our rabbinic direction, let's acknowledge the community, let's acknowledge the people um, who have come to the fore and who do such great and wonderful things. And of course, that is usually then followed up by what is known as a Misha Beirach, Mi Beirach, may he who blessed Mi Beirach Avotenu, we usually begin uh, those prayers, he who blessed our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. And we there say a special prayer for the community again, this one, this time in Hebrew. Um, very often in many communities, um, it's at that stage that not only are we saying a prayer for our own community and for those who provide and for those who give um, the necessary for the lights to be turned on and for those who provide for the Kiddush and the Havdola and for those who provide for uh, the well-being and the welfare of the community. But um, in addition to that, um, usually their prayers are inserted um, soon thereafter both for the state of Israel as well as for the land in which we live um, for um, our country. It is regarded as being um, 
incorrect, I suppose politically incorrect, to say a prayer only for Israel and not for your own country. Um, but um, that is the place that those are inserted into the Sidurim, most Sidurim, and then the Ark. Then the um, uh, then the Ark is reopened and the Torah is replaced in the Ark, having been through all of these ceremonies um, and so on. On a Rosh Chodesh, on a Shabbat, sorry, on a Shabbat Mavarchim, on the Shabbos, on which we bless a new month, it is at that stage as well that the month is blessed, that we make the proclamation of when the new moon will first appear, um, of um, the days on which um, Rosh Chodesh will be, and that proclamation and the blessing for the new month is set at that stage. And then the Torah returned to the Ark. Now, in case you didn't know, it's that time of the year again. The people, electric, and the stores are packed. It's a time when the world comes together, keeps it together, and lives it together. This year's Shabbos project is merely days away, and it truly promises to be the best one yet. Keep a lookout for your area's programs. The youth have taken over, and they've created a revolution. Let's get ready to make history. For more info and to find out what's going on at your shul, go to theshabbosproject.org. Let's keep it together. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elobel. We're returning to our topic of Torah reading and the um, taking out of the Torah, the putting it back of the Torah into the Ark and um, all the things that go with it. I would like to um, add here that there are certain occasions when more than one Torah is taken out of the Ark. There are several occasions when two Torahs are taken out of the Ark and that would include um, every Yom Tif, um including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It would also include um, every Rosh Chodesh, where, um, sorry, where a Shabbat Rosh Chodesh, where uh, two Torahs are taken out on a Shabbat Rosh Chodesh. It would um, also include a, a any Shabbat that coincides with a time when um, there would be another Torah reading, such as on a Shabbat Chanukah, uh, where a second Torah is taken out as well. And what happens then is the regular Torah reading in the usual um, order of the parshiot of the Sedras is read, and then um, for the last aliyah to the Torah, for the maftir, for the kind of additional reading, um, the second Torah is used for that particular festival or that particular Rosh Chodesh or that particular um, occasion. There are Rare occasions um, when three Torahs are taken out of the Ark, and uh, the only two occasions when three Torahs um, can, the only occasions when three Torahs can and will be read from, will be if you have a Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Shabbat HaChodesh, um, which would be uh, just before the month of Nisan, or just at the time of uh, the beginning of the month of Nisan um, and the second time would be on a Shabbat Rosh Chodesh Chanukah um, where um, three Torahs would be taken out of the Ark and three Torahs read from. There's a third occasion when three Torahs are taken out of the Ark but they're not read from and that is um, at the time of um, Yom Kippur of Kol Nidre and finally of course um, three Torahs are taken out of the Ark and read in the festival that we just Last celebrated, which was Simchat Torah, where we take out one Torah for the end of the Torah, one for Breshit Bara, and then a third one for the Yom Tov, for the Chag as well, on um, 
um, Simchat Torah itself um, when the three Torahs are read from. So those are the only occasions when three are taken out. Now, how do we line up and how do we know which ones are read when? Well, there's a simple principle in Jewish law that goes something like this. It is Tadir, Pesheino Tadir, Tadir Kodem, which means if there is something regular and there's something that is not regular, the more regular comes first. And this is a principle that we follow here too. And that is if there is a regular Torah reading that would have been done on a regular Shabbat, that is read first. If then it is Rosh Chodesh, that would be read second. If then it is one of the other occasions on which three Torahs are, are read, that would be done third. And so it would be also with the Yom Tov. The Yom Tov is not as regular as a regular Shabbat. But the Shabbat Torah reading comes first, and then the Yom Tov Torah reading. And um, those Torahs then are um, utilized in exactly the same way as the others, except that for the duration of the first one being read, the second one will be held uh, by somebody at the back of the bima or uh, behind the bima, and um, it is then brought to the fore at the time that there is, let's call it the swap over where um, the second Torah is then placed down and uh, the first one removed and the second Torah is then read from for the person who is doing that last portion, that maftir, which pertains particularly to the Yom Tov. Of course, then um, there is a an additional reading called the Haftorah. The Haftorah, um, similar to the word maftir, is the additional reading. And as we mentioned last week, that is taken from one of the prophets and usually matches a theme, um, an idea, an ideal that is contained within the Parsha of the week, our sages um, very brilliantly selected um, various readings, so we do not read the whole of uh, the prophets, um, but a part, a section, a segment is uh, and was selected by them, and those then um, you will usually find at the back of your chumash, um, particularly pertaining to that particular sedra, to that particular parsha, to that particular week, or to that particular hug or special occasion. Be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. The importance of a Torah and a Torah scroll um, cannot be overemphasized and the idea of reading from it cannot be overemphasized either its significance and its importance. We remember that the Torah is really a representative of the entire Jewish people, um, as has been mentioned many times before. The last word of the Torah is the word Yisrael, and we say that that is actually an acrostic. It stands for Yesh Shishim Ribu Otiot La Torah. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah. The Torah itself is therefore significantly linked with each and every person who stood around Mount Sinai and their families and then some. There is something significant about each letter in the Torah and how it connects with the Jewish people. And that is that if there is one letter that is missing, it actually negates the validity of the entire Torah. It is what we call pasul. It becomes pasul. It becomes unfit for use within the shul. Um, it is um, not fit to be used. And because of that, because of the one letter, one little mark, and um, this um, again, uh, uh, pertains to the great significance that Hashem placed, that God places on the significance of each and every individual. The same way as a letter in the Torah would make, would affect the whole Torah and make it all invalid. So too, if any Jew, if anybody is uh, left out, is left behind, is not, um, complete, 
and is not functioning uh, correctly, the entire Jewish people are disadvantaged. We all suffer the pain, uh, the hurt, and uh, the emptiness from uh, that neglect and from the fact that that person is not complete. So the idea of the Torah and its significance in our midst is not only that it represents God's law, but it represents something very important for us as well. Our unity, our togetherness, our sense of belonging, our sense of um, imp- of self-importance um, and our sense of what it is that drives us and what it is that we need to do. And therefore, the reading of the Torah and the entire um, advent and idea of it within our community needs to be afforded the, the correct and the right respect and the right kind of um, governance. And these are just some of the ways that we have discussed last week and this week of how we show that reverence, of how we show that importance, <laughs> of how we revere the physical Torah, understanding that it is not our the Torah is not our God, but the Torah is certainly God's law. It's certainly got that holiness that is attached to it. And we need to behave with that kind of respect for the Torah at all times in order for not only our children to be able to see how it is that we revere and respect not only elders, but God himself, of course, and the Torah itself and its laws, but um, also to have a... Um, an idea, an ideal within ourselves of humility, of the humbleness that we need to show in front of God and in front of the Torah at all times. It is so important. It is something that we should take to heart and we should ensure, hopefully, that we can and we do at all times. I want to wish you a great rest of the week. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead. Yes, of course, it's the weekend of the Shabbat Shabbos project and um, hopefully um, this will be a project that you will keep and try and strive for and improve upon not only this week but in all the coming weeks of the entire year uh, making sure that Shabbos is not a one-off project but is rather something that we always do as with everything that um, our Torah um, wants from us. So please God a great Shabbos up ahead. I look forward to being back with you again soon on Judaism 101.9.